Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello. 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 You part to win the game. That's the great thing about sports. You part to win the game. All right, welcome into you pod to win the game presented by the all new Honda CRV Hybrid. I'm Charles Robinson, and it is a two man show today. Charles Squared here with Charles McDonald. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. I'm I'm a little tired. I'm definitely starting to feel the the weight of the season, but mm. I think we're, we're we're about to start getting to the fun stuff, you know, playoffs, off season. So that's gonna that's gonna re-energize me uh, in December, I think. Yeah, we get that second wind in the playoffs. It's, this is definitely the month where it starts to drag, though. See, I, I saw the owners' meetings. They're saying no Mexico City next year because of World Cup stadium renovations, which is makes sense. But uh, the big news, maybe two. They're trying to figure out they can do two games in Germany, which I think would be badass. I thought the first game was amazing. I think a second game over there would be just as good as as the first one. So I I, I was really excited to hear that. I love the the Europe games because you get to wake up and there's football on, you know, and then it's on for the for the entire day. And those are my favorite days. Hopefully, I would I would love to go cover one. So if uh you know Joey, if you're listening to this, you know just to, for next year, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> little little uh, birdie, got, got a little little nugget, you know. Yeah, I I heard actually from a a Chiefs listener of the pod. Also has their own podcast. I don't want to. I don't want to let this out because you know he he may not have. Uh, I, I don't know if he was supposed to tell me this or not, but he he was on a tour of Arrowhead in Kansas City, and he said, "You know, the tour guide told me that they're going to play in Germany next year." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Really?" I'm like, "Okay, well, That's interesting." No, he said. Apparently, they were checking out some of the conditions and. I don't know that that's necessarily guaranteed. I mean, they I know whenever teams are in consideration, they send advanced teams to kind of check out the area, the potentially the field, the facilities, where where people would stay, whatever. But would not be surprised if it ends up being the Chiefs in Germany next year, which would be pretty dope. That'd be sweet to see that. Not so dope. Kyler Murray. It's a rough two days now for the, well, a couple days for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray did tear his ACL, is done for the season. It's also announced today that Steve Kime, the general manager, is taking a definite leave of absence uh, to deal with uh, health concerns. Not much else said other than the team asking for privacy at this time. I cannot imagine after inking that deal, then the details coming out about, you know, oh, there's this study provision and all this stuff. And then Kyler going down during the season and the whole Colt McCoy crap that kind of got played out there about, well, geez, the team really responds to Colt and he works so hard studies and all this stuff. Now to have this ACL tear happen, 
Steve Kime, you know, be out for whatever the reasons are. It's just, this has been about as, as rough a response to that contract and, and a very much a season of expectations as I can imagine. I think for a lot of, for, for a lot of reasons, like this is probably about the worst case scenario that the Cardinals could, you know, could have foreseen, right? Where you give out the extensions to the three most important people in basically any yep. football organization. And Steve Keim, he's he's got what he's going on, but even just looking at the job he's done objectively, it's not like that that Cardinals roster, especially on defense, is really stacked with talent. Kyler has had his struggles and and you know, Cliff is is attached to that. It it it, it almost seems like, you know, and they're not the only one, but it seems like there's a few teams where the worst case scenario has happened this year. And I would just love to know like the what the owner is thinking you know you've handed out hundreds of millions of dollars to yeah. these three guys this offseason and it and right now it, it just looks totally untenable um i i i was just i was thinking to myself earlier today like i, I don't really even know how you handle this because there have been good moments with this trio i mean you you look back to outside of this year you know maybe the first couple of years with kyler and cliff like the first half of the season they look good you know there's been long stretches where Kyler Murray has looked like an MVP caliber quarterback but that hasn't really happened since like the middle of last year when the Cardinals were really atop the NFL standings Colt McCoy came in I remember there's a game where they went to San Francisco with Colt McCoy at the quarterback and beat them and it seemed like wow this team is going to be one of these teams that should be feared for the next few years but you've gotten to a point where it's all falling apart we'll see what ends up happening with Kyle and his health issues uh, causing him to stay away from the team. But, man, like, this is probably about the worst that the Cardinals could have envisioned things going this season. It's not uh, – one of the things, too, when you look at this, and you talked about all the extensions, I mean, I don't know that this is really that dissimilar um, a situation, albeit on a different sort of continuum. You know, it's it's in a different part of the continuum – than Denver, but right. it, it, you just signed the quarterback to the extension. He's not going anywhere, okay? So if Steve Kahn can't build around him, if Cliff Kingsbury can't make it work with Kyler, I mean, then then Cliff is, we're, we're going to look at him the same way we're looking at Nathaniel Hackett and saying, well, it can't be the quarterback because the money says it can't be the quarterback. And, uh, you know, the one thing I would say about the Cardinals is, it's hard for me to believe that ownership is, uh, I don't want to say they're, they're cheap, but they're cheap. <laughs> right. I don't think, I mean, it was, it was the, that extension alone was, you know, it was a big deal, you know? And I remember talking to you, some of the people that were in the middle of it and especially the early stages of it. And it was like, why is the agent going so hard in the paint early on when clearly if you talk to Kime, Kime was like, this is going to get done. And I think it was because the agent, Eric Burkhart, was like, I don't trust the owner to actually do, you know, to get this deal done because of financially what's at stake here. That's why I think given those extensions for Cliff and Steve, now this is not knowing, you know, exactly what's going on with with Steve right now stepping away. I just don't think this is the ownership that walks away from money, you know, whatever's left guaranteed for Cliff, whatever's left guaranteed for Steve. So to me... I would think that 2023 is kind of it. It's sort of a, okay, this is it. You know, either you figure it out, you get the calculus right. Kyler stays healthy for an entire season, which again has not happened over the expanse of his career. Big or small, he has had issues. 
injury-wise that have curtailed him, I would I would think there's a mandate, particularly for Cliff, this offseason that like, look, if you can't get this offense rolling with him and consistent, we're going to have to look in a different spot. So I would ask you, do you think it's just a matter of the league, you know, Cliff comes in, they have some success, everybody's kind of getting their first look at Kyler, and then eventually they figure out, okay, this is what he can do, this is what he can't do, especially when DeAndre Hopkins isn't out there, he looks really limited. And, you know, if we just contain these certain aspects of his game, he can't he can't overcome that. Somebody's going to have to change in this matrix here. Somebody's going to have to evolve at some point before 2023. I kind of think that even, you, you, especially you look at those first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins, and it never really seemed like they they took that as seriously as they needed to. And I say because I, I remember there, there was a joke that me and my friends had that this was like the smallest wide receiver group in NFL history when they first uh, started the season because, you know, it was Kyler, Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown. I think Annie Is- Isabella yeah. was still on the roster there. Like, I I, I tend to think that there's, there's more in Cliff than he's shown this year. But man, like that's a tough, that's kind of a tough spot to be in at the start of the season where you're throwing to a bunch of guys who would, you know, no offense, but would be like average size high school wide receivers. Wait, the Smurfs. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, like the Smurfs yeah, in the NFL. It, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a tough predicament to find yourself in. But at the same time, you know, I I, I find it interesting that Cliff is, is it, it, Cliff and Kyler to a degree are, are in this spot where their reputations are are at this point because we've seen them be good. Like, we've seen them be really good mm-hmm. towards some defenses. But like I said before, we we haven't really seen that for coming up on a year and a half and now Kyler's out for the rest of the season. So, you know, I, I, I'm I in the camp where I don't I don't think that bringing Cliff back for another year is really the worst idea that you can have because maybe you can find some lightning in the bottle and you figure out what was going on uh, that caused you to be so bad this year and you get back to it. But this this has to be it because you, you don't want to waste any more money or time, quite frankly, than they already have coming uh, into the season and what's transpired this season. So, you know, I I think a one-year ultimatum for everybody is fair. I think it would be hard for, like, most owners to bite the bullet. Like, we just paid you all this money, and now we're going to pay you not to work for us? I don't think so. So one more year, see if it works. If not, I think it's fair to move on for everybody. Well, the difference is next year they start to burn into that extension for Kyler. Like right. they're going to be paying, they're going to be cutting some big yeah. checks <laughs> big in check. 2023, and he's going to go. Every time they have an L, it's, it's it hurts. It hurts to cut the check after an L. You know, like that, those big old checks. So, yeah, that that one year ultimatum makes a lot of sense for me. I mean, they, there's no doubt uh, they're going to have to get something done soon. I mean, it's it's your fan base only takes takes so long, and it kind of felt almost to the point of turning on Kyler already given another year of what they just saw in 2022. And and that process is going to get a lot worse. I wanted to talk to you about some of the signings this week. A uh, big, you know, everybody's talking about Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, looked like the Cowboys is going to happen. Then it kind of backed off. And now it's, you know, Odell says he doesn't see the point of playing in the regular season, which is, you know, I guess, I guess that's the way to go. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not as, it's a rarity to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't see what the point is playing the regular season. What if you sign with a team? This is one, just real quick on this. What if you sign with a team and you don't play in the regular season and they get knocked out in the first round or they get knocked out in the first playoff game? So you essentially signed to play one game 
in 2022. <laughs> it just makes that statement to me. I mean, physically, if you're not there physically, okay, fine. You know, maybe you don't want to admit it, whatever. But this idea that like, well, I've already done regular season. <laughs> I'm, I'm there for, for the big games and the playoffs. I'm like, man, I don't know. That would be a pretty horrible look to show up. And, and God forbid, what if you have a couple drops? team loses, say you signs with like the Niners, right? And they end up losing. I, I, that would do nothing but damage his free agency to me, I would think. And, and yeah. frankly, I think it's already kind of been damaging as it is because, you know, there's going to be varying opinions on this, but clearly these teams are like, this guy's looking for a long-term deal that is just not realistic if he's not willing to at least show us what he looks like with, with two repaired ACLs. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about the last time we talked about this, where I I don't get what he's doing right now in terms of Odell, because if you just came out and said, hey, my knees aren't ready for this, I need to be realistic about my right. approach. Like you, you tore your ACL in February. I think that that's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable take 100%. to have. I think everyone will understand it, but it's, it's just weird that he's he's chosen to handle it in, in this manner. And I, I just can't imagine that the way that he's handled this would make giving him a long-time deal any more enticing. You know, I kind of feel like he he's still kind of at the point where he should be playing these regular season games. It's not like this is an Eric Weddle situation and, oh man, I'm, I'm approaching 40 and I don't really have much left in the tank. You know, if, if you're, if you're trying to, to show teams that you deserve a long-term deal and then also say, I'm only going to play in the playoffs this year. I don't understand how those things can possibly compute and and also not you know either being willing or ready to work out so you know i i i i just look at this whole odell situation with a whole lot of confusion because it, it just doesn't seem like the goals that he has in the steps he's taking to get there are are one and the same i, I honestly think if he if he wanted a long-term deal it probably would have been better just to say like back in june july hey i'm not ready for this but when it's time for me to work out in February or March, when it's time to sign a free free agent contract, I'll be there. Right. But, you know, now he's just kind of, I don't want to say jerking people around because, you know. Kind of feels that way, though. I know, know, but, you know, they they can afford to wine and dine Odell. Sure. (laughs) No, it it doesn't mean they can't afford it, but I mean, you know, a lot of people who can afford to be jerked around get jerked around. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They sign up for it willingly. Yeah. Look, I'm sure Odell's having a lot of fun. I would love to go visit my Absolutely. friends in, all over the country, but in <laughs> yeah. terms of in terms of like getting to the next step of, you know, I, I, it, okay, well, let me take a step back. I think what he's trying to even accomplish is very difficult. I mean, this is a 30-year-old receiver mm-hmm. who is coming off an ACL tear and wants a long-term deal. Like, where do they do that at? Are you going to go play in the XFL? Like, that? that's just kind of... It, it, it's new for an NFL, for, for what an NFL team would be, especially if you're not going to play this year. I don't understand how, you know, step one gets him to where he wants to be eventually. It makes no sense to me. And remember, has not been the epic all-world player. He had a little flash in in with the Rams. He did. Little flashes here and there. But in terms of a one season, I'm totally healthy and I'm epic. That's 2016. That was six years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's a lifetime. I mean, I, I mean it's insane. Uh, I mean, there's... Uh, it just, I think it's, you, you touched on it, he's 30. I talked to somebody about, I ended up writing a piece about it and and talked to a few different people yesterday about Odell and about, you know, how he just kind of misjudged the market. 
And someone said to me, I thought it was really interesting. He was just like, look, he he made the bet last year on himself. He saw, you know, he he worked a contract out with the Rams. It was all incentivized. It was clearly a short-term deal. He bet that he was going to stay healthy, and then he bet he was going to have a free agency tour. He And he would have. Had he stayed healthy, he would have had a free yeah. agency tour. He would have signed a big deal. It would have been if Christian Kirk got that money from the Jaguars, who the hell knows what Odell ends up getting, right? But he lost. This is what the person said to me. He lost that bet. So you want him to make another bet like that? No, he doesn't want to make that bet again. He doesn't want to do the short-term, hey, it's all incentives, and, you know, I'm um, um, I'm going to be hopeful that L.A. will be loyal to me on the other side of this. And they and he felt like they weren't like he got he he says I helped you win a Super Bowl and now you can be loyal to me, and on the other side of it the Rams are like eh. <laughs> like we'll talk, we'll see we'll talk more I mean the money you want to well, let's wait and see when you can come back in the season and yeah it was just messy but what was interesting is and I ended up kind of writing about how he mistimed the market or, or misunderstood the market you see T Y Hilton goes and he signs in Dallas heavily incentivized deal. 600 G's guaranteed for four games. Every time he's on the active roster, he gets another 50. And then there's a bunch of like incentives, you know, like playoff incentives, all that stuff. So he's got a chance. I think he's got a chance to earn like another 700 on top of the 600 base. That's kind of what Odell was looking. I mean, the Cowboys, that's what they wanted to offer Odell. The numbers would have been higher than what T.Y. ended up getting. But that is, it was that sort of short window incentivized deal. We'll give you a solid little amount of guaranteed money here and then a bunch of incentives, you know, if we go on this postseason run. That's not what Odell was interested in. T.Y. was. They were like, hey, you want to come for a workout Monday? T.Y. was like, on the plane. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Bet, let's go. Monday works out. Monday afternoon, signs the contract. That's what they envisioned with Odell. That was what they wanted to do with Odell Beckham Jr. And instead, coming in, Odell's like, well, I'm not working out for you guys. And they were like, word? Like, okay. <laughs> Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley's bills are like, all right, we're looking for little slot angry receiver. You fit the bill, but we need you to sign a practice squad deal. Man, you know Odell ain't doing no damn practice squad deal. <laughs> right, right, right. But Cole was like, all right. <laughs> like, I'm back. I'll come back, make a little bit of money for the playoffs. Cool. It's a couple of guys. Now, granted, not on, I don't, I don't think if you know all things are equal they're not at odell's level so it's it's different those expectations but you can see what these teams kind of expected in this dance they didn't get it and and they moved on so you live in new york like are the giants going to be the team that are desperate enough to go you know what it ain't looking so good we're probably not going to make the playoffs now like the washington commanders are probably going to get our spot are, are, I mean, there's no way that's going to happen, no, right? No, I, I, I would be, I, I mean, e- either team, Jets or Giants, would be pretty shocking. And I, I, I'm with you. I think the Giants are kind of at the point of this season where mm, don't, don't, don't really need to make this risk. But I, I've been thinking about this as you were talking about it, and I guess like from a personal perspective, it's got to be pretty tough what Odell <laughs> has gone through this year, you know? Because the bet, the bet on himself, like it did work up until that play in the Super yeah. Bowl, you know? Yep. And and he had a he had a, a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Could have been it, Super Bowl it, MVP. Could have been Super Bowl MVP for sure, but he got hurt. And then just the fact that, like, you won the Super Bowl, but you also lost in the way where you you have to start from scratch. It's not You're not starting from scratch as, like, the last time you tore your ACL where you're still a highly coveted quantity in the NFL that people would love to have on their team. Now 
you kind of got to prove yourself a little bit. And I can imagine that, that just that, that flip that, that like, just like that can be a little bit jarring, but at the same time, like, dude, you gotta be able to embrace reality to a degree and say, all right, here's where I am. Here's where I plan on being in February or March, but he's not doing that. And I I think it's really going to hurt him uh, at the end of the day. Real quick before we move on, is he worth? So what I heard was when everything sort of happened with the Rams, I think he was holding out for the, the, and I've said this before on the podcast, it was like a Michael Gallup type of contract where it's a really high-end number two contract. I think because he wanted to live in LA, it was a lot of different things. He was, he was on a high, you know, coming out of the Super Bowl, even though it was a low, but he was, they were very inclusive. Like, that, you know, Odell Vaughn designed a Super Bowl ring, Jalen Ramsey, all this stuff. Felt really good about it. I think there would have been a slight little discount aspect to it. Now, from what I understand, if he goes to free agency, and this is straight up what I'm being told, if he goes into free agency because everybody's in that pot and we know people spend stupid money in free agency, it's more along the lines of, okay, who are the receivers who signed $20 million a year deals after busting out their knee? Chris Godwin. Okay, so give him the Chris Godwin deal. Would you give him the $20 million per kind of Chris Godwin deal? Uh, No. No. I don't think Just so. Just straight up, flat out. No, that's a no. No, no I mean, that's a, even as the, the cap rises and we'll, I guess we'll, we'll eventually figure out what that cap number is going to be for next year. Like, that's still a pretty, pretty sizable chunk. I feel like I just would need to see him play before that, you know? Stuff. Put him, put him on a team in 2023. I have, I have one where I would love to see him play. I know he would love to live. It's not really feasible, but I still would love to see them make it, try to make it happen. Hmm. I mean, if he was, it, it depends on what he's willing to do. If he's willing to take like a backseat, number two, maybe even number three role, I kind of think Miami could use. Yeah, that is my <laughs> team. That's exactly it. I was like, man, you know, like New York, LA, Miami, boom. That's like the right. three places. Now just keep them off planes in Miami, okay? Because we don't know what can happen when he gets on planes in Miami. <laughs> you know, he doesn't always end up taking off. Anyway, well, at least not in the. In the airplane, anyway. But what I'm saying is, I'm with you. Yeah, I think if it's it's exactly it. If he's willing to fit in with that wide receiver group, whoo, yeah. that would be a lot of fun watching those three guys. Yeah, well, and I think even for for them, you have to ask them, are you okay being like the fourth option too? Because Jacecki's pretty good when it comes to receiving games. So yeah, but they don't. Man, they don't. I, I mean, he is, but I feel like they don't utilize him. He he's. No. I don't. I'm always like, why are his numbers? For as gifted as he is as a receiver, are they just like, what the hell? They can't figure out how to use this guy. Like, if I was Kansas City, I'd be like, come on. Like, you all willing to deal him? Because, you know, Kelsey's <laughs> kind of getting to this point. We could throw out some two two tight end sets with, you know, Travis and Mike. Maybe we groom, you know, Mike into Travis's spot down the road. Man, that would be pretty sick. I love someone that fit, though. To get, yeah, someone just needs to get Jusecki to block. And I think that that would change his whole career. If he was just willing to get a little bit better at that. Yeah, that's not yeah, that's not what these do. tight ends do who catch balls anymore. All right, let's stop here. We'll uh, get a little word from our sponsors. We'll come back on the other side. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
All right, we're back. Wanted to move on to the NFC uh, South. This looks sadder and sadder by the week, obviously. If if it's Tampa and that's what Tampa looks like against the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy does not bode well. Yeah, you would think like you're like, all right, well, look, if it's a bad NFC South team, at least it's Brady and you just never know what you're gonna get. I don't know though now. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know, man. Like I know, look, the San Francisco defense, there's no question. It was interesting because Rick Gosselin, obviously Hall of Fame sports writer, covered the NFL forever. You know, he does this this like weekly poll of of a lot of different writers, and then he he'll write up a piece on it or whatever. And he asked he asked about the sort of the viability of having a, a, a losing a team with losing record winning a division. Like, should that change? And one of the things I brought up was Ron Rivera with Washington and with Carolina won divisions with losing records, and then he competed with Washington. They they played Tampa tough the year that they yeah. made it with a losing record. And then he actually won a game over Arizona with Carolina with a losing record. I'm kind of like, yeah, why not? You know, it's – we don't just change it now, change the entire format of how the NFL works. I guess to me, and I'm curious if you agree with this, you get these teams where they have horrible seasons, but you somehow get in the playoffs, particularly if you win a division. It's almost like, okay, we made it. You step into that meeting and you go – Everything that happened before this, who cares? Yeah. We're here. Now it starts all over again. We're back to the beginning of the season. Records wiped clean. All that matters is now what we do. All the bad feelings go out. I, re- I actually do think that that's a real thing, that teams, once you make it and you get in the club, you don't have to worry about how hard it was to get in the club. You're like, we're in. Now what do we do? This is just purely selfish for me, like the, I, I'm, I'm fine admitting that. Like I, I, I just, I have no interest in watching any of these NFC South teams play one of these precious, these precious playoff games that we have. You know, like there's so few of them, really? and I think, I think, look, I, like you've watched enough Tampa Bay Buccaneers games this year. Absolutely. <laughs> Come on, if, if they, Bad. if they, the, the way that it's set up right now. Dallas is going to be the five seed, the way things are set up right now. Right. And the winner of the NFC South is going to be the fourth seed. I don't, I, that just doesn't sound very enticing to me. And I, I look, I get the way the rules are set up right now. They, the, the Tampa Bay or the Panthers or, God forbid, the Falcons have made the, the – shoot, even the Saints are only two games out. If something crazy happens the rest of the way, they could end up uh, in the playoff race. But, man, I just I, – I, I don't like watching these crappy teams – in the playoffs, it's, it's not fun. I, I I know that you know going back to the Washington point, they did like they gave Tampa Bay a game, but I I I think we should just go keep the the regular season the exact same way it is, but just go one top one, top seven teams in each conference and just just do it like that. Or I, I saw another interesting thing mm-hmm. on Twitter that said you can still have the division winners get in. To the playoffs, but then once you have you know your four division winners and your three wild card teams, then you just seed it by by record so that you don't get a team like Tampa Bay hosting the playoff game at the end of the season. So I, I I think there needs to be something done to change this a little bit because you know some of these seven seeds like they're just they're just not serious playoff teams, and I think that whoever wins the NFC South is like that caliber of team and i i just want to get those teams away from my my games with high stakes i think it's crap 
See, I, you, I mean, you talk about it self, you know, it being selfish, and I get that wanting to see the best. However, I also selfishly am kind of like, what if, what if Tampa like hosted a home playoff game and then they beat Dallas? <laughs> like, what if? Okay, that would be I'm, funny. I'm, I'm here for the yeah, for the chaos, for the like, someone gonna get fired if you lose to Tampa, but it's completely feasible to go to Tampa and and lose to Tampa. Like, it can, it absolutely can happen. You just, if it, whether it's a bad game, an injury. Whether, I mean, who knows, whatever. Tom Brady plays out of his mind for, you know, one more time just for the hell of it. And uh, that's because I sit there and I look at the NFC, particularly when you consider how it's stacked. If 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 for some reason Tampa were to advance and beat Philly, it, it would just be, I mean, like, I cannot imagine how pissed off Eagles fans are going to be. I mean, you know, Dallas is the same thing. I mean, McCarthy might get fired. Like if he if he were to go to Tampa and lose, he would probably get fired. Telling me San Francisco wouldn't be like serious. I mean, now that Purdy's in there, I don't know. Maybe that yeah. kind of gives them a built, probably more of a built-in excuse. But still, it's just it's it's uh, it's wild to me when you think about the possibility of uh, just the Dallas thing alone blows. My yeah, mind. Th- that that caught me. You're you're speaking to my inner troll. Like that would be absolutely hilarious if Dallas went on the road and was favored by, like, six points over Tampa Bay, and they lost. And it's like, a legit Super Bowl-caliber team, right? I mean, Dallas oh, yeah, legit, yeah, legitimately yeah. could be a Super Bowl team. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, in, in most seasons where, you know, a team like the Eagles doesn't exist, like, you're running away with the top seed in your division, at least. Uh, so, yeah, man, that actually would be funny. Maybe Okay, 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 okay. Just for the idea of, like, the stupid upsets that would make me laugh, we can keep the playoff, but... I, I, I still would like to see Tampa Bay lose in the first round if they do make it. Uh, and I know if the Falcons end up making it, I know they're going to lose in the first round. So we'll see what happens. If there were a tweak, the one thing I would say is just change it to everybody, every division winner, we keep it the same. However, if you are a team that wins your division with a losing record, you're out. Like, we're not going to take you. We're going to take the the team with the best record. I wouldn't completely change how they do everything. I would just say, look, it's this one special circumstance we're not going to allow, you know, losing teams to, to you know, jump into the playoffs. and Yeah, uh, there, there's a possibility that, like, a 6-11 Tampa Bay team makes the playoff. Or not maybe not 6-11, but 7-10. Like, that's, I mean, that's pretty crazy. That would be horrible. Like, it would horrible. be amongst the worst, uh, probably, developments. And, and I absolutely could see that being a topic of conversation at the owners' meetings in March if it was. Yeah. They actually, especially, they, they, they're going to need to beat the Panthers. <laughs> if they let's say they they were to make it with like a seven and ten record and then they just get absolutely blown the hell out in the first game then i think there's no reason not to have that conversation maybe you don't do anything but if they just ignore it if Mar- if the owners meetings rolls around in march and they're just like yeah we're not even gonna address it then i'd question you know are you really thinking about the integrity of the game and wanting to give people the best product because that's not necessarily the best product. Although they're probably like, well, it's Brady. Maybe there's some casual fans that would still be interested if Tom Brady, Brady. can do it, whatever. Yeah, Brady, right, Brady. <laughs> In the air quotes, kind of Brady. <laughs> kind of Brady. There's no Basically, chance Carolina or Atlanta make it, right? Uh, like, do you, no, I, 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 I kind of think I, I think Atlanta's schedule at the end is a little too tough. I'm, I'm kind of expecting them to be facing Lamar, Maybe they have a chance to face Lamar when they end up playing uh, the Ravens in a couple of weeks. I like you're starting 
Desmond Ritter first starts on the road. Against, Congratulations. Like, you the, willed it. You willed it to happen. I won. I won. And Marcus Mariota is just like, yo, I'm out. <laughs> like, like, yo, I'm, like, I'm, I'm straight done. up get the surgery. I'm done. I'm I didn't done. even, for real, I didn't know he had it in him. Like, I was Neither like, whoa, I. he's got, he's kind of a dog. He's kind of a, like, like, I didn't think he could be just an ass to be like, yeah, I'm out. I'm bailing. Like, I'm going to have this, the, the knee surgery. I'll see you guys later. Well, yeah. I, I, at first I thought about it. I was like, damn, like, that's, that's pretty crazy. And then I, I sat down and I thought about it. Because sometimes when I when I struggle with these sports transactions, I I try to take a step back and just look at it. Okay, like how how let, let's apply this to just like normal jobs in finance or whatever the hell. Let's say you you've made millions of dollars, you get demoted at work, and you just had a baby. I might I might go home too. <laughs> like right, like, right. <laughs> you know, well, look, who among us? Who among us has not? put in their two weeks notice and said, but I'm taking vacation. Like I'm out, like I'm going to go ahead and take this and, and I'm going to bounce. I, I just think it's wild. Cause the dude is going to get, he's going to get his checks. Like he's going to get paychecks to the end of the season. And it's a finesse. man, it's just, that was a, that was a stunner of all the guys to pull that. It yeah. Be, I, it would, I really like, did not think that he had it in him. It's like if Matt Ryan did that, right? Like if Matt Ryan did, he'd be like, what Matt Ryan, seriously? Like, Although Matt Ryan did say, you know, all right, you tried to trade for Deshaun, didn't work out. I'll see you guys later. Like, I won't yeah. be here anymore. I, I I also feel like Arthur Smith didn't really do him any favors with the uh, the initial press conference that he had because he was just like, oh, we, we t- I, I told Marcus and Desmond on Thursday that Desmond's going to be a quarterback moving forward and Marcus said Friday, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I was like, that, that's all you got for us? And now they're saying, you know, the knee surgery, blah, 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 but... I, I, the, the way that Arthur's comments read, where he was talking no, about, no the, but he, 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 yeah, he also said like, you know, sometimes it's, it's tough to give these decisions, but everyone's got to hear them and deal with them. I was like, okay, so yeah, he just, he just, he just, he just kind of bounced. Like, yeah, I, I, I you can't, I, you can't get that back in the box after <laughs> yeah. after you said that. Like, it's clear he just checked out. Yeah, this, this is the one of the few situations where a fan base is fine with their starting quarterback just bouncing for the rest of the season. But I do think it's interesting for Marcus just for himself because, shoot, like, I I, I kind of feel like it, it's kind of a tough sell to be, hey, I want, I'm, I'm going to try to be a backup quarterback for the rest of my career, but at the same time, I just bounced when I could have been a backup oh, quarterback. That's no way. No, I don't think it's a tough sell. You I, don't I really don't. Sell? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think because backup quarterback is so important. I think people will look at the situation and go, you know, and he can try to finesse the knee thing. Like, hey, look, I played through this injury all season long. Yeah, I was emotional when they told me. And I thought, I've played through pain all season long. If you're going to demote me, then I need to take care of the pain. Like, enough. Like, I put myself out there. I put myself on the line. And then you said that wasn't enough. Okay, well, I got to start thinking about my health. You know, I got to start thinking about my future. He had a baby, too. And right. And he had a baby. One one thing, though, I'm wondering, and I didn't look into this. I really wish I would have looked into this before we, we started taping, was if he were to have complications from the knee surgery, would he be locked in to the 2023 salary with the Falcons? Oh, man. Because I, I got to look. I got to see what the injury guarantees are, like what the guarantees are in the contract for injury. And I, I don't think that they could spin it that way. We're like, oh, this knee was an issue, and now he – 
you know, when you can't cut them, you can't cut them now because of the injury guarantee or whatever. I, I'm going to have to look at the injury guarantee. But I did think about that, like, right as you and I were talking about that, whether or not this is some kind of a smart play to try to get paid in 2023. I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't, like, regardless of how this turned out, I don't think that there's any way he was going to be on the, the roster next year. They can save, you know, $12 million off the cap next year. If oh, they, for sure. He's if gone. they end up cutting yeah. him. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's gone for sure. So I don't know. I, I hadn't really thought about that that angle of it. But uh, just going back to where we, we started, I would be absolutely stunned if the Falcons team made the playoffs. But I'm optimistic about their future. You are always optimistic about their future. No, now I'm that not. Marcus is out the door. Now, now that Marcus is gone, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Once he's out, and then now you're optimistic. You want to you want to touch real quick on, you know, I know you you we we talked a little bit coming into here about, you know, teams that could be looking for new coaches this offseason. We've been talking about obviously over the course of, of all season. We touched on Cliff Kingsbury earlier. I think you and I agree the thought process right now, I think, is Let's see what happens in 2023. But Denver, Nathaniel Hackett, I don't know, man. Like, I I, I really think if they had beaten the Chiefs, there's a chance that he could have had a chance. I still think th- the announcement of him staying would be an unbelievably bad moment for that franchise. I think I, it's almost like fans there have the expectation of, like, we're clearly not keeping this guy, right? Like, he's not going to be here next year. So you have Denver, Houston with Lovey. You know, the one thing about Houston, I will say, okay, they're absolutely tanking it all the way through. They're going to get that first pick. What's interesting about this was the two guys in the organization who are not aligned in terms of like maybe moving forward. Jack Easterby was not like a Lovey guy, right? Like he was a Josh McCown guy. The thought process, I think, if Jack was still in the organization, was are they going to steer toward? I think it's just interesting that Easterby went out of the organization and that Lovey's still there. And it took away some tension between two individuals in terms of who should be in the job and the team moving forward. I can't believe that that they won't at least consider it just because of the record. But I also look at that team and I'm like, it's been so god awful. Like, really, you're gonna do this? This is what you're gonna you're gonna fire, not only another coach after a season, but another black head coach who yeah. looks like he was just hired on a whim, almost like it looked like David Culley was just hired on a whim. I don't think you can get away with well, we gave him the bag twice. Like, you got away with Culley. I don't know if you can get away with it necessarily. Yeah, Lovey already like, had money, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Lovey had he had that Illinois money. He had that Chicago money. He had, Tampa Bay money. He had that Tampa Bay money. I forgot about the Tampa Bay money. <laughs> and and he got he got fired early in that one too. Relative, I mean, fairly early, and uh, and still walked away with some money. And then there's yeah. New Orleans, Dennis yeah. Allen, New Orleans. So you you look at that group there. You tell me, do you have confidence in anyone coming back in those three? I do think that the Lovey situation is interesting just from an optics uh, standpoint because, man, firing Cully, been trying to hire McCown, Florida stuff happened. You fire, you hire Lovey only to fire Lovey. That would right. that would look, it would look really really bad, like worse than they've already looked. So I think that there might be some optics stuff that saves them, but I absolutely think that that there's a case for what you've seen on the field to to move on from Lovey. But I, I think the one. The one that that I, I guess I have the most confidence in coming back would probably be Cliff because of the contract stuff right. that's happening. And it's funny that I feel like 
the the one that I'm most confident in moving on is 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 Hackett. And and I also think it's interesting of these four uh, three of these four teams, like three of them are, are first time head coaches with Hackett, Lovey, and and Dennis Allen. So I, I think that Dennis Allen's kind of an interesting one because I I don't really know that a lot of coaches would have succeeded with the way that the the Saints went all in on this year. I mean, they if you end up looking at the math or or the picks that they traded for Chris Olave at the end of the day, it ended up being similar to like what the Falcons did when they traded up for Julio Jones back in 2011. And obviously like that Falcons team was a lot closer to contending than right. where where the Saints are right now. And now you look at the Saints, like you're about to give away a top five pick. So I, I don't really know how many coaches would have succeeded there, but it just seems like there's a little bit more juice to squeeze them than than what they've gotten. And maybe De- maybe maybe Dennis Allen's one of these guys that not a great head coach, but a really great defensive coordinator. I do I've 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 seen some Saints fans on Twitter crying for for Sean Payton to come back and Dennis Allen be the DC again. I feel like that's <laughs> it's not gonna happen. But uh, <laughs> I, I I do think it's interesting that these guys that <laughs> just got hired this year are already finding themselves in hot water for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, Allen, some of the pen- the games, if you watch from this season, I mean, there's been games with penalties where you're just like, if penalties are on the coaching staff, then I don't know how you don't eventually fire this guy because they are just penalized an insane amount. I mean, some games where it's so penalty-marred where I'm just like, I don't even know how they're expected to, you know, survive under this, and it keeps happening over and over. I'd have to look at the, you know, they, they got to be one of the most penalized teams in the in the league this year. When you look at the situation at quarterback there, you know, I don't, it kind of feels like there is an ability for them to bring in the right quarterback and there's still enough surrounding talent there that they could generate something, you know, the, the following year, plus they're in the NFC South, which sucks, but yeah, I don't know. I don't like I for with Allen, it just has felt flat. But what's he what have he's had Andy Dalton, right? He's had Taysom Hill, he had Jameis. Like it was just I don't know whether there was ever anything there that was really gonna succeed quarterback wise. I think he's got a shot because of that, you know, maybe to to get the quarterback situation fixed and then see what, what the, the team looks like after that, or at least take a shot at fixing the quarterback. It's gonna hurt though, as you said, watching <laughs> watching their pick go to a team where they could have selected a quarterback. Someone else could potentially get the quarterback they would have taken. Cliff, I, I think 2023, I feel like he's safe. Houston, yeah, the Flores deal, you know, I, I just, I, it's it would be insanity to me if, if they fired Lovey. I just, it really would. It would be complete insanity. Now, could I see it happening? I could see it happening if all of a sudden they did something dramatic that we didn't expect, like, hey, we're going to fire the GM, <laughs> And the coach, you know, if they're like, hey, clean sweep, we're, we're taking everybody out. We're pissed off. You know, Cal, you know, Cal McNair comes out, oh, I just, I'm not happy with any, you know, how the things have been going organizationally. We just need to start over with a new with a new general manager, new head coach. Then maybe the optics of it change a little bit. But if Casario stays and Lovey goes, somebody's got to look at Casario and go, what's the plan? Because look at the roster. Okay, how many how many like times are you going to tear it down to the studs? There's like nothing left basically at this point. Brandon Cooks doesn't want to be there. You know, Laramie Tunsil teams are going to be calling you in the offseason trying to trade for him. Yeah, so I mean, Hackett, I'm with you. But is there any chance, 
you know, Frank talked Sunday about how, like, Denver fans reacted to the Kansas City game. Even though they lost, they were kind of like, oh, you know, feels a little bit better because <laughs> uh, they actually saw. It's, it's like, you know, you're in the desert. You're crawling. you got no water. Somebody gives you puddle water, and you're like, oh, my God, this is great. Because like, you just haven't had anything, right? So they basically drank the puddle water on Sunday. They felt great about it. How much more puddle water does he need to give them <laughs> to basically pull it off? If he, if their offense, they did look competent, honestly, on Sunday. There was a moment where it looked like, hey, they could potentially beat the Chiefs. Say they look, and again, we're, we're talking about, well, you know, what's going on with Russell Wilson? When does he come back? When does he play? If their offense, though, can look competent through the rest of the season, say they score, I don't know, 24, 25 points a game, which is pretty good, not great, but pretty good. Does that all of a sudden change your mind about, like, I, can he sell that? Can he say, hey, look, here's what clicked in early December, and that's what changed things, and that's now what we're building on? Or are you just like, no, this is They had to hire that- too many coaches to help them out. <laughs> like, like, this is just, we, we, we got three guys doing one guy's job. It's to me, like, complete and utter Because I, I, I understand from a, a band perspective, wanting to believe like that, but you're not a goldfish, bro. Like, you have the access to the internet. Your brain should go farther back than one week. They're too neat. You're not a goldfish. <laughs> like, you're two weeks removed from getting blown out by the freaking Panthers. Like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's really... It, it's it's just not... It's not serious to me to, to, to think about bringing him back. And also, you know, it's not like the... The Cardinals situation where, one, we've seen this duo of Cliff and Kyler be good before. Right, you've seen success. And and also, Kyler's not on the back half of his career. You know, like, there's there's still a, a lot of reasonable hope, I, to me at least, that Kyler can turn this around and start playing, like, a top-10 quarterback again. But if I'm the Broncos, I'm looking at immediate fixes. Like, immediate fixes. Because the Russell Wilson's not going anywhere for a couple more years. And the one thing that we can change is who's who's calling the plays. I, if I were them, I would I would move on from Hackett, try to get the, the defensive coordinator Vero to stay on if if he's open to doing that, and then just find someone who can get this this thing to work. Because right now the, the results have been so bad. I I don't think that one game should alter your thinking on on the head coaching thing now. If they come out and they do it to the Chiefs again and they beat the Chargers, maybe you can sell that hope to the fan base. But you've had a large enough sample size to know that this is complete crap. And if we're looking at the whole season, that that Chiefs game was a huge anomaly with the way they were able to move the ball. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And when you look at Russell, too, you... It hurts to know you're on the back. You're, you're really definitely on the back nine of his prime, and you just burned a year of it. Like, he just yeah. completely torched a year of what and, – and you don't know, realistically, I know you signed him to a long-term deal, but what if the back end of his prime is only another three years and you just burned 33% right up front? It like, made it worth nothing. It's – yeah, it's – I I still deep down believe, though, that this, that ultimately – if this were Jacksonville, I think if there was different places, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think the fans are going to fire Nathaniel Hackett. I really do. I think that the way that they've reacted to him, and unless something dramatically changes and they get, you know, 
the Christmas spirit <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. I don't think that's going to change. And I think ownership's going to look at that and go, we can't. There's no way. We can't endure this. It's one thing with the quarterback, which is bad enough. And then it's this other thing with the fans, which is, you know, we're not going to spend an entire offseason with fans just being completely miserable about what, what's going on with the team. Candidates. I've seen a list of candidates that you had. There are three names I can tell you right now, just calling around. And it's interesting because kind of the dynamics of sort of what is open is is interesting to me because generally I think ownership groups nowadays, if they're in position where they're going to draft a quarterback and there's going to be a, a an opening, they're sort of like, well, let's try to get an offensive coach, right? Let's try to let's try to pair, you know, the next. Or if they're going to swap out a quarterback, you know, let's try and get a coach like Kevin, Kevin O'Connell, right? Like the Vikings are probably like, hey, we're, you know, we don't think we're going to have Kirk much longer. We're going to get another quarterback in here. Let's get Kevin. Let's say you look at a team like Denver. I think D'Amico Ryans, you talked about D'Amico Ryans with San Francisco, the defensive coordinator has been amazing. They love Dan Quinn the last time they went through the, the interviews. And then I think Jonathan Gannon, with the Eagles, I really think those three guys, I, it would be rare to see this happen, but I really think there's a chance that we could see three defensive coordinators end up with head jobs, depending on what the openings are this offseason. Those three guys are at the top of everybody's like interview list. If they haven't already interviewed, you know, Denver already interviewed Quinn before. Three really good, really good coordinators. I mean, like I, Ryan's to me. Oh, he's amazing. I mean, how do Houston, that's that's what blows my mind is I'm like, you're freaking out about what your candidate list, you had Jonathan Gannon on the list, right, last year. And this is just removing Lovey completely from the conversation because he was a left turn at the last second because I think they knew they couldn't, the, the lawsuit dropped and they knew they couldn't name Josh McCown their coach. But they had Jonathan Gannon on the list. I never understood why D'Amico Ryans, who's a like beloved in Houston, you know, played in Houston. Franchise legend. Unbelievable. Like to me, I'm like, that is and and interestingly, I thought too with Houston, I was like, well, if they fire Lovey, but they replace him with D'Amico Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, ah, wait a minute, wait a minute. But you do it like on the same day. <laughs> okay. Yes. You don't even yes. get the loose cycle. You're like, we're gonna immediately doing this. <laughs> like we're gonna make it a one big fell swoop. <laughs> we're gonna so the the new cycle is like, as Lovey walks off the stage, D'Amico Ryan's walks on the stage, and that's the news cycle. It's a couple seconds. I think D'Amico to Houston would be great because he also, D'Amico represents what the best of the Houston Texans franchise has oh, been. Oh, no question. You know, yeah. like, when it was him and, and, and Watt out there, like, that's the that's the best that the Texans have, have been and felt. And I, and I, I think that, you obviously can't base the whole decision off this, but I think when you get a candidate that aligns where he's qualified based on the work that he's done, and it would just make people in Houston feel good, you know, yeah, I, I think that that, that that matters a lot. Um, and 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 beyond just like what it would mean to Houston, like I I really can't think of a, a defensive play caller that's been better than D'Amico over the past two seasons. It's like him and right. Dan Quinn. Yep, at at the top of the list and. It, it it's just, I don't know. I I, I find the work that D'Amico's done that it, it just kind of blows my mind that he's been this good, like his first time when it comes to really having command of an entire defense. And look, I know that the 49ers have their defensive stars 
But, you know, I, if I needed someone to come build it, that come in and rebuild my defense, rebuild my culture, he would probably be at the top of my list. Like, it, it, it makes so much sense for Houston. And then, like you said, you can... You, you you can get you can finesse it like oh we fired Lovey but we we hired Jamico you oh, like no, Jamico no. right no no no, no. I got, right now I could hear it. I could be like Cal McNair's in his office he's like has anybody ever hired three blackhead coaches in a row <laughs> in, in a the row? NFL <laughs> like he's like he's like that's how they pitch it <laughs> first organization to hire three straight blackhead coaches and and which is just oh my gosh but I could see them thinking like you know it's oh, we'll spin it no he'd be. I think it would align great. And I, I hate to just I hate to stomp on Lovey here. I really do, because it was it's not like you look at the roster, I don't know what he was supposed to do. You know, I don't I if I was another NFL team, I wouldn't look at this as being something where I'd put it on Lovey because I'm like, man, that team was just stripped down. They had a rookie running back. That was your best offensive player this year. All, all okay, the left tackle. Obviously, Larry Thompson's your best offensive player, but this, that's what you had. You had a great left tackle and a great running back. And then pretty much anything else, you know, Brandon Cooks didn't want to be there. Like, he's just straight up. I love how every week they're like, yeah, Brandon Cooks is not returning, you know, for whatever, like, injury. I'm like, dude, he's just, he's done. Like, he's just yeah, not he, playing he, he, anymore. He, he, like, this is... He, like, you guys you guys don't get what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, like, you guys get it, right? Like, he's, he's totally just like, I'm done. I'm not playing for you anymore. Yeah, so that's... and And that's why I think Dan Quinn... It depends what George Payton, the general manager in Denver, it depends on if ownership says to him, hey, this isn't working. We know it was your hire. We're going to give you a mulligan on it. You know, most general managers usually get two coaches. Not this quickly, <laughs> granted, but it was in the <laughs> middle of an ownership sale, kind of weird situation. And so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to listen to you. And I think I think he would say that, hey, Dan, I love Dan Quinn. He was great. He was he was absolutely my backup, you know, to this hire that I ended up making. And to me, you bring Quinn in, he immediately vibes with the defense, right? He's going to get everything he's going to get out of there. So, the you know, the defense I don't think is like a locker room problem, but this rivalry between the defense and the offense. But I think the question is, then how do you get Russell Wilson on track? Who are you bringing in? to get Russ where he needs to be. Because if it's not going to be the head coach, it's going to have to be someone else. And I, I think it's okay in this situation because say an OC comes in and it ends up being a really good OC. They get Russ on track for a couple seasons. Let's say Denver's offense plays well and he gets hired away. Well, Russ is a veteran. At that point, he's he knows how to manage this offense. He knows whoever comes in is going to learn as much from Russell as, as Russell's going to learn from the OC. So I do think this is the rare situation where where it can work. I don't like it when it's like you got a defensive coach, great OC, super young quarterback who blossoms, and then the, the OC, Brian Dayball, gets hired away. And then you're like, well, <laughs> like we just lost, you know, we, that guy should have been our head coach so he could stay with the quarterback through his career. I think DQ could work in Denver. I really do. I think he could too, and, and I, I, I think to a degree, like when you're Russell Wilson, you play this much football, and you're getting paid what you are, you kind of got to start figuring it out on your own. Like, I, I, as bad as the Broncos' offense has been, and I, I, I think it's going to end up costing Hackers' job. Like, it can't, can't really be ignored that you paid Russell Wilson all that money and paid those and and traded the draft picks for him to get this as your result. Like, that's undoubtedly horribly frustrating and Russell deserves a, a big chunk of blame for how bad this offense has been but 
you know, they're 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 going to have to figure it out. I don't really think an offensive-minded head coach or a defensive-minded head coach matters too much for Denver. They just need to get the best guy in there to start turning this thing around. That is that is one hundred percent. I'm with you. Real quick before we close it out, I want to bring this up because we had the conversation. It was it was a kind of a spirited conversation on Twitter today. Lions go to the Jets, right? Winners of five of six, damn near beat Buffalo on Thanksgiving. Like, had Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs hugging each other at the end of the game because <laughs> they were so happy to not have lost that game. Which, you know, you're kind of like, man, is that alarming for Buffalo? It doesn't feel so alarming now because Detroit now kind of looks like, man, maybe nobody, maybe you don't really want to play this team because you kind of don't know what they're capable of at this point. They play the Jets this week on the road. Huge game, weirdly, for Detroit, because I think if they get past this game, let's say they can win this game, you then have Carolina on the road, Chicago at home, Green Bay on the road. Green Bay on the road, by the way, end of the season, probably Jordan loved Green Bay, right? Right. They could be 10-7. and Like, it really (laughs) could happen. Like, they started 1-6. If they go to 10-7, and Some people don't like having the coach of the year conversations, whatever. I, I just got to tell you, like, I just got to tell you, I know Dan Campbell started one and six, so you got to factor that in. But if you and I were sitting here before the season and someone's like, hey, yo, Detroit's going to go 10 and seven, we'd be like, yeah, that dude's definitely coach of the year. There's no way, right? <laughs> like, this is yeah. crazy. And especially how they votes. started the year. They started, yeah. like, one and six. Which which he was part of that. Frank, like, Frank kind of said this yeah. on Twitter, like, hey, he was part of that one and six start, which I get. But was it not a competitive one and six? That's not, they, they kind of, if you go back and look at it, you were like, ah, they were kind of close in a number of these games. It felt like they were sort of pushing. And then once they broke through and got confident, they just kind of look weirdly like a, even though having like a terrible defense, they look like a really good offensive team that's extremely competitive. Yeah, I, I think what's, to me, what's impressive about, this Lions coaching staff, especially on offense, you you kind of go back through the season, and at, at the start of the year, they they had those first four games, right, where they're putting up points, and they hit a wall. They play Dallas or play, they played New England their fifth game of the year. They lose twenty nine to nothing. That was the Bailey Zappi start, and then they go to Dallas and they lose twenty four to six. But basically, since then, they had some adjustment. And they're scoring points again. Here's the last, their last five games. They scored 31, 31, 25, 40, 34. This is unequivocally like one of the best offenses in the NFL. And I think what's so interesting about that is they still have some room to improve in the offseason, like just yeah. personnel-wise. You know, it, it seems like, I, I don't know you know, what you're hearing, but it, it, it just kind of seems like they're a little settled. Maybe you having Jared Goff come back for another year because, or, or, look, I, I wouldn't do it. I would add some serious, serious competition, but he's played well to not get cut. I look, I'm this is sort of the out year for him in terms of the contract. Like if you're gonna move away from him, this is a good time, you know, in terms of the dead money. You're gonna have probably a top five pick. Let's see what Baker Mayfield can do with the Rams the rest of the season. But right now it looks like a potential top five pick. CJ Stroud could get to you in mm-hmm. the top five, and you would you, you know, you potentially have a decision to make. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, look, I'll say this for Goff. What if Jared Goff actually has gotten better? Like, what if 
him failing with Sean McVay wasn't the be all end all of Jared Goff. What if like there was still something there for him to to improve and accomplish? And because he flamed out with McVay and McVay was so frustrated and wanted a like MVP caliber quarterback. And there was the pressure of the deal that he signed. So he's making mistakes and he did do some stupid stuff. Definitely the last, he did some really stupid stuff his last year with the Rams. But what if he learned from that experience, got better and Detroit was like, okay, we know that you're a flacco. Okay. Like we're just going to have to surround you with some really good players. Okay. We're going to have to eventually build up this defense and that's how we're going to be good. You're going to have a deep running, you know, a deep running backfield. You're going to have, we're going to be deep on the, the running back depth chart. We go and draft you, Jamison Williams, who shows up, you know, scores a touchdown, I think, in the second game. I think I think you sit there and you think about it long and hard. Particularly, I mean, like, let's kind of see who might be there in the draft. I don't think Jalen Carter's getting to him. No way. Like, I think he's off the board, if not one, two. But you could potentially add a really big defensive piece. You're going to have your own first-round pick. Maybe add two defensive pieces. I don't. The offensive line's already pretty good. It's not like I don't think you have to add to that. I just think defense, like they spend the entire offseason focusing on defense, and maybe that that changes how you feel about Goff moving forward. Plus, let's remember Goff's contract. I mean, look, it ain't great, but it's also where quarterback contracts are now. I mean, there's guys making fifty million. You know, like this is like the the Herbert deal is going to be fifty. Okay, APY. Like Joe Burrow is going to be fifty. APY. Those are going to be the deals. If you're if if you got Goffins making 30, well, you're kind of like, well, who makes 30? The middle of the pack guys. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, your your 15, 16, 17 quarterbacks are all gonna be making high 20s, low 30s. They're gonna be right in that range. Okay, well, then he's kind of not overpaid. Like he's just what he is. Right, right. I don't know. I think it's really interesting. And and yeah, man, it's just Detroit, it's so weird to to look at Detroit and and think that there's this much optimism. But it was crazy too when we were having the conversation about the coach of the year thing. They lose to Philly 38 to 35 in week one, right? They had to score two touchdowns in the fourth, but I think the second touchdown there was still like three and a half minutes left. But yeah. it's possible they could, you know, they, they were in it. Okay. They lose to Minnesota 28 to 24. They lose to Seattle 48 to 45. And remember, this was a time when we were like, we didn't know Philly was going to be this Philly, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't know Minnesota was going to, like, what the We had no clue Minnesota was going to be like this, right? We had no clue Seattle was going to be like Seattle, right? And Gino, we're like, oh, man, Gino, look at Gino. Well, that's embarrassing, Gino. Oh, no, actually, Gino's not embarrassing. Some of those losses, you know, Miami 31 to 27, Kind of hey, look like, that bad now. <laughs> yeah, like, man, I don't know. They did go one and six. But when you look at some of the teams they lost to, we think pretty highly of a number of these teams, or at least we've been surprised by a number of these teams. And, oh, man, 10 and seven. I think he's got to get some coach of the year votes if they make a 10 and seven run and somehow get into the playoffs. I really do. Yeah, and I mean, I, I honestly think, like, if we're going with the caveat that Jordan Love is – most likely going to be playing that week 18 game for, for Green Bay. This this Jets game is the toughest game left in their yeah. schedule. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it gets a lot easier after that. I mean, Panthers, Bears, Justin Fields did put up 30 last time, but you, you should be able to score on that defense pretty easily based on what you've shown so far. Like, I, I'm looking at this, like, if you're, I, I feel like at worst, you're like eight and nine. Which is amazing. Season, which is which amazing. Still yeah. Now, what, what I what I think is interesting about 
where the lines are now, and particularly with that draft pick that they're going to end up getting from the Rams, which is like at worst going to be top ten. Do well, are they looking at this like this might be the last time we'll have a chance to draft a high, if things go well? Right. Yeah. This yeah. might be the I last guess, time. I know. Yep. Right where we going. might have a chance to to draft someone. Yeah. This high because you made you made the point the infrastructure it's it's about there. You got the offensive line. You got a couple good running backs. Wide receiver room is, is starting to grow, especially with James Williams and Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know. Maybe maybe I feel like that has to be part of the thought process. Like if things continue to ascend where we're going, when's the next time we're going to be here? I think that you do it the way Kansas City did it with Mahomes. I think you go to Goff and you go, look, here's the deal. This is your team in 2023. CJ Stroud fell to us. We drafted him. Okay. This is your team though in, in 2023. And where do you want to go? Like we're gonna, we, we plan on having great success with you. We want, we want you to take us and win a Super Bowl. And then after this, where do you want to go? We'll deal you. Like let's, we're gonna find the right spot for you to have the success. Maybe there will be people. Which I, man, somebody asked me earlier in the season, like, is there any way that they could eventually move on from Goff and get something for him? I was like, are you kidding me? Now I'm kind of like, well, I don't know. Like, he plays next year, like he played this yeah. year. Maybe after 2023, you know, he's still young. You know, a, a team could look at him and go, "Yeah, sure." Like he's he's accomplished enough to to bring him in, plug him in. Future Rams quarterback. <laughs> <Is that awesome? laughs> oh, Charles! Yes. Oh my God! <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing too if, like, the Rams, like Stafford, like he retires after twenty twenty three, and they really need a quarterback, and like the most available guy on the trademark is what if? What if somehow they deal Jared Goff back to the Rams after 2023 and get another first round pick? <laughs> it's like three, like, like, like <laughs> all time greatest trade. I love that. I'm, God, that would be amazing. Of course, that's not going to happen, yeah. but that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, I would do the Mahomes deal. Like, if Stroud gets to you, I think you're right. Like, it's, you just never know. And, if you don't think he's special, if you don't think Goff's special, if you think he's can lead you to a Super Bowl and you're completely sold on your ability to build around him and do it, then keep him and go that route. If you don't think he's special though, and you got a special quarterback and you look, let's say you go work out CJ Stroud and you're like, man, size, arm, accuracy, it's all there. This guy's special. Take him and, and just say, hey man, red shirt. You're gonna red shirt, you're gonna learn as much as you can in 2023. You might get a spot start at the end of the season, you know, kind of the way that that Mahomes did. And then we plug you in. You're our guy moving forward. Go kill it on scout team and, you know, have the defense giving reporters quotes all season long about, man, the rookie's just murdering us on scout team. Man, what's going to happen when he steps in? Right. It's pretty crazy, man. <laughs> the Rams thing. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I love it. God, it, that would be amazing if that happened. It would be so I mean, good. just that they so needed good. a quarterback. <laughs> And this all played out kind of like that. And like the most sort of trade available quarterback who's decent is someone that Sean McVay knows. <laughs> That's great. All right. We'll wrap it there. Uh, anything you want to pitch you're working on? I just finished four verts. Go look it up today. Gave some, uh, some love for Trevor Lawrence and what that means for the Jaguars moving forward. And then I did a whole bunch of uh, just looking forward stuff about the draft, head coaching stuff. And I raised about the NFC South being trash. But yeah, that's, that's what I got. Lawrence, man. It's uh, it's feeling like this is going to be a, a a net positive season for him, which is great. Like that was early on. Yeah. There were yeah. some times where I'm like, it's oh gone. god, this is not <laughs> not going to go the way we need it. Yeah, I'm I'm I don't know. I'm probably going to keep 
poking around this Odell thing, see what's going on with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones keeping the door open for for Odell. I guess if there's any team that he could potentially join, you know, for a couple of games and hope that it works not out in the playoffs, maybe it's the Cowboys. But I think you and I kind of joked. Jerry's also that guy that's never going to, you know, he likes to likes to tease things yeah. a lot, and then it doesn't end up yeah. happening. So it it would be really funny if the Cowboys. Signed Odell then lost. Oh my god! In the oh my god! That would be funny. <laughs> oh my god! It would be. I don't want to wish that. Okay, and I don't want Cowboys fans to think like I'm like rooting against them or anything. But just from the standpoint of like a show, oh my god, man, it would just be absolute total show. And Tom Brady would be like, you know, what if what and like say Brady played well in that game, we'd have to go through the whole cycle of, well, hey. Like we said, you know, it's been reported. All options are on the table. Like, maybe this guy's going to play till he's 50. I swear to God. All right, let's wrap it. You can get Charles on Twitter at 4Verts. You can get myself at Charles Robinson. You can get our producer, Sean Anderson, at Sanderson Radio. And uh, if you could, please, uh, once again, always, always, always help us try to keep Therese Paler's legacy alive. You can check out breakingteacapitalt.com slash Therese for the all-juice tea or hoodie. Remember that proceeds uh, from that purchase go to support the Therese Paler Scholarship at Howard University. You can also donate uh, to the scholarship in Therese's name at Power Mizzou. If you want to figure out how to do that without purchasing a t-shirt, check out the podcast description. We'll point you in the right direction. Leave us a five-star review. Tell a friend. Help us grow the pod. Uh, Always want to expand the family. We really appreciate it, as always. And uh, we will be back early Monday morning. I will be back early Monday morning with Frank Schwab on the Sunday Night Freestyle. Talk to you then. Peace.